0: Hi everyone, welcome to Joe's Weather World, your only weather podcast dedicated to Kansas City. Hi everyone, welcome to another edition of Joe's Weather World as we take a look at all things weather affecting us, affecting our region, affecting the country as a whole, a little climate every so often. Uh, This particular podcast though is going to be dedicated to flooding and it's a subject that at least on the air, I hate talking about. I just hate it. I hate it with a passion uh, because it's one of those slow-developing, typically, uh, type things, but yet it impacts so many people, especially around the Missouri River and some of our other river basins around western Missouri and eastern Kansas. I find it a very big challenge communicating uh, the effects of flooding, aside from showing pictures of uh, the flooding that is ongoing. And I was, I thought I was really challenged last year in talking about the situation that was kind of unfolding before our eyes. Uh, so I've got a guest for you today, and he's a hydrologist with the National Weather Service down in Pleasant Hill. His name is Scott Watson. Scott, welcome aboard. Thanks for having me. All right. So, Scott, um, as a hydrologist, what Um, does a hydrologist do essentially?
1: Well, in the weather service, there's a couple different types of hydrologists. Um, I'm a hydrologist that works at the weather forecast office. We also have other hydrologists who work in river forecast centers. Uh, We actually have a river forecast center also located in Pleasant Hill and those hydrologists actually run all the river models for the entire Missouri basin. So all the way from Montana down to St. Louis. Okay, so
0: this is something that you've kind of stumbled into. I'm assuming when you were is, a, a yeah. wee little kid, you didn't exactly no. grow up to, or want to grow up and say, I want to be able to forecast river heights along the Missouri no. River at whatever time.
1: No, I, I grew up wanting to be a meteorologist. Okay. So uh, starting out, you know, I was probably like most guys, gals who are meteorologists. We just loved it when we were kids, always going outside to look at storms. Uh, I'm from Emporia, Kansas. So one one of the benefits of being there, um, we had a lot of storms, but also you could get three different TV markets. So I could watch Wichita, Topeka, Kansas City, and that was before the internet. So I was always glued to the TV for their overnight radar.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Back in the day when TV stations used to put up radar in the middle of the night, right? That's kind of a way to fill up the signal. Interesting. Uh, So was there anyone, because I like to ask, folks who come in here who are weather connected, was there any one event as you were growing up that that made you say, this is it, I want to get into weather, or was it just a a building of things?
1: I think it was a a building of things as my childhood uh, grew on, but I do really remember the Andover event. Mm -hmm. I was still uh, in Emporia uh, during that time. I can remember debris from that tornado falling out of the sky into, into our yard. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So how, uh, how old would you have been about that time? What year was that? Was that
0: 92 ish 93 over.
1: I think I was, I was in college the first time okay. uh, I started out, uh, at Emporia state doing earth science, which was mainly geology. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still really loved weather and, uh, yeah, I ended up a couple of years later deciding to go on and, and do I a mean, Something like that. Yeah. So then how did you get involved
0: in the hydrology aspect of things?
1: Well, my first job in the weather service was in Lacrosse, Wisconsin. And I believe that year the Mississippi River had the second highest crest. And the, the new hires back then had to issue a lot of those products. So I... Kind of got a trial by fire with that mm. flood, so these larger river floods were very. I got very interested in that. Uh, plus, that area has a lot of terrain, uh, kind of similar to the Ozarks down in southern Missouri. They've got a lot of bluffs, a lot, a lot of, a lot of steep terrain. So we had a lot of flash flooding issues mm. too. Um, so I got experience with both those. Became pretty interested in flooding, uh, just experiencing those events. Um, also, I was. Interested in heavy rain patterns from being in grad school. Uh, I went to St. Louis University, and they had a professor there named uh, James Moore. You may know him.
0: I may know him just a little <laughs> bit.
1: So you know, his big thing was heavy precipitation. So, mm-hmm. so I worked with him during my years there, and was interested in in heavy rain, and then in turn. Flooding. I think
0: I knew that you went to SLU. I don't think I remembered it until you just said. I was yeah. like. Son of a gun, it's another Billiken I've got in here. Very nice. Okay. Um, So automatically you've gone up in my... When did you
1: graduate? Uh, 2000. Okay. So I was
0: way before you. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um,
0: So I wanted to bring Scott in here because as I've talked about with our news department uh, about a month ago, you kind of start to see the setup to what eventually is going to happen or what we think may happen. Uh, as we get further into the spring, and that's about the the flooding situation that'll gradually probably unfold here over the next couple of months, if not maybe a little bit longer than that, depending on the spring rain situation. Uh, But I wanted to kind of go a little bit more back in time because uh, many areas uh, that were affected by the spring flooding and really the late winter and spring flooding last year are still being affected by it this year to some extent in terms of the damage that was done. And I wanted to have Scott kind of talk a little bit about the differences about what happened last year and what's going on this year. And to start doing that, we need to kind of look back at last year. And if maybe in a nutshell, uh, you could kind of talk about the setup to the spring flooding of last year, because it was right about this time that we started to really see some flooding develop locally around our area. But in reality, the flooding that happened last year was, in a sense, I guess, almost set up by what was going on even in late 2018, right, when we were getting all these real big, heavy precipitation events, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, There's a big difference between what's going on this year and last year at this time. Last year, there were a series of storms across the northern plains with very cold temperatures, putting down a lot of snowpack uh, in the upper Missouri, mid-Missouri Valley, upstream of our northwest Missouri area. Uh, And Also, with that abnormally cold uh, weather pattern, there was a large area of deep, frozen uh, soil, and those are the two big factors that kind of laid the groundwork for what happened later in March.
0: When you look back at last year and the setup that was involved, especially with the the frozen soil as you mentioned and and all the snow that was sitting on there just waiting to melt, did what happened last year still surprise you or not so much? Did you know going into let's say March or April this is going to be bad?
1: I think we had a pretty good idea that we were going to see widespread flooding. I think the surprise was just how rapid and just unprecedented the magnitude was of it. Um, when, that, when that strong cyclone went mm-hmm. across the central US, it dumped all that rain on top of that snow and a frozen ground. It was incredible how, how quickly streams rose and levees broke across Nebraska into Iowa. And then finally in northwest Missouri. Mm -hmm. And
0: Scott's referring to, uh, if you may remember from last year, there was a a term thrown around, the bomb cyclone uh, that occurred. I'm I'm trying to remember. Was it mid-March or? I'm thinking maybe
1: the second week of March. That's what I kind of was thinking, too. Maybe around the 10th. 10th to 15th. There were a
0: couple of, I think, if I remember correctly, big storms Mm -hmm. um, that particular month. Because I remember I think the third week of March um, I was either on vacation or coming back from vacation. I just remember uh, flying into a major big old windstorm around here. So I think there was another big storm in there. Anyway, um, so what the bomb cyclone did back then, we had kind of like Everything was, in a sense, I guess you could kind of say locked up f- for the time being because you had the ground that was frozen. You had the snow that was on top of the ground, right, that was ready to melt. Right. And what the bomb cyclone
1: essentially did was kind of unlock yeah. everything basically, all at the same time. Basically lit a fast-moving fuse is what it did. Mm-hmm. And all that
0: water has to go somewhere. It does. And uh, for those who are not familiar um, with the Missouri River Basin, the Missouri River Basin actually goes all the way up into Montana. That's where, and, w- and when we talk about a base, basin like the Missouri River Basin, what are we talking about, essentially? How the water drains, right?
1: Yeah, so there's several different areas of the mountains yeah. that, that the river basically starts at. You've got a lot of snowpack, snowmelt uh, coming from Wyoming and Montana, That comes down, what we call the, it flows into the main stem of the Missouri River, basically in the Dakotas, um, and then into parts of Iowa and South Dakota. And then you've got more water coming in from parts of Northeast Colorado, coming into the Platte River. There was actually quite a bit of water coming in from the Platte during the flood last year, yeah. And
0: so what happens is, as the basin, basically all the little tributaries all the creeks all this water has got to go somewhere and it eventually drains into the missouri river the mississippi river basin is another very large basin Mm -hmm. but here we don't worry about that right we don't worry about the mississippi
1: per se we do not worry about it here
0: and last year the mississippi river basin was another basin that was going crazy right
1: Yeah, it looks like it may get hit pretty hard again this year because there's quite a bit of snowpack up in Minnesota, uh, parts of northeast Iowa. That area has quite a bit more snowpack than portions of the Missouri Basin across the northern plains. So it's actually maybe looking worse over there than Mm -hmm. it is here this year.
0: And so when we look back at at 2019, we, we started to see the flooding, Really, kind of go crazy on us in March. Then, if memory serves, there was, I don't want to say a lull because the rivers remained high, the Missouri River especially, remained high all the way, I think, into June, if I remember correctly, and maybe even longer than that. Really. I think we it went, had. It went all the way till
1: October. For I think all. we had yeah. maybe St. Joseph, like maybe into November. Yeah,
0: that's crazy.
1: Like, and it's interesting days. if you go further north in the basin. In uh, South Dakota, there's a James, it's called the James River. It has not gone below flood stage yet. Really? It's in minor flood right now, but it's still above flood stage.
0: Which is a setup to maybe something coming down the road. But it seemed like, if I remember correctly, that we had the, the bad flooding in March. Mm-hmm. Then I, I seem to remember maybe there was, I don't want to say a lull, but a, a decrease the magnitude, you know, the magnitude was, was went not down. as great. Thank there
1: you. was still quite a bit of flooding, but yes. it wasn't as And then as it
0: kind of went back up again, if I remember, maybe in June or something uh, like that? It
1: was late May into June. Okay. I believe May was the wettest month yes. in the central U.S. Yes. Um, and actually, the night of the Linwood tornado, there was a lot of heavy rain across northern Missouri that night. We actually had issued a couple of flash flood emergencies that night. Oh, really? See, we did. Up, it's a blur. Yeah, it was up in the Bethany area. Okay. They had, oh, oh six or yes. seven yes, inches and yes, 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 in yes, maybe yes. two or three hours. Yes. But that was, that rain event was kind of the tipping point for the renewed flooding and then all the levee breaks that occurred downstream of Kansas City. So earlier in March, there were all the breaks up in far northwest Missouri basically Leavenworth and upstream, and then in May it was downstream in Kansas City.
0: And so let's briefly talk about the levees because um, they're, they're a source of controversy in some cases. Uh, levees are essentially, what, built-up piles of dirt,
1: really? You're basically constricting the river mm-hmm. to where you want to go. It's, I mean, it's basically it's a, per, a wall of protection in the floodplain.
0: And how typically, when we have these bad floods like what we saw last year and we saw some of these levee breaks last year, what's the weakness of a levee system? How, how the tendency for them to, to break and release water into places that we're trying to keep the water away from, what causes most levee breaks?
1: Well, so, some of these levee breaks were caused by overtopping. So okay, so, so it, went it actually went above the okay. level of protection. Now, there were also breaks in the levees. And, you know, a lot of times that happens when you've got water on them for weeks and weeks and months. They just, you know, there just gets to a point where they just can't handle that much pressure for that long a time. And does that make what i'm trying to circle around to
0: is when you're predicting and it really is amazing how the predictions come out that you guys are trying to predict essentially almost to the inch
1: <laughs> um, and sometimes it's that important yeah for when when they're doing sandbags and they're trying to get to that level i mean it's pretty it's pretty stressful and important to get that as close as we can so
0: when you guys are trying to predict water levels to the inch, and a levee breaks upstream unexpectedly.
1: Mm. How does that alter? That's very difficult. It really is difficult. Yeah. Um, This past event, last year, we did uh, have some help from the Corps of Engineers. It was was very helpful. They had a a gentleman come in who had some experience with – hydraulic modeling where he could actually get in and look to see how much water could be stored behind the levees once the water flowed into those storage areas, basically where the floodplain is where water would naturally go. And that was a big help in adjusting our forecast because the way uh, river forecast works is the model doesn't forecast stage, it forecasts flow. so when you have those breaks, you're not getting the flow you expected right. because a lot of that water is either going into storage or there were some cases, especially uh, around the in Kansas where that water would bypass the gauge. You wouldn't see the water at the gauge and then it would come back in downstream of the gauge. Really? And so a big help was that, that modeler who came in to run that second model and then all the Corps people who were out on the levees sending information back to him, basically saying, we see the water here, the water's going here, and then they could, the forecasters could look at maps and kind of adjust the forecast.
0: As we look back to last year uh, with the Army Corps, in an ideal world, their goal is to, you know, they've, they've got they're trying to please 18 different things here but in an ideal world what they try to do essentially is as they see the water build up or potentially build up release more water and the choke point is typically Gavin's point is that a fair that's correct that's
1: the that's the last point on the Missouri Mm -hmm. River that can be controlled
0: and Gavin's point is a dam for those of you who probably don't know Uh, Located up towards, I think it's right around the border of South and North Dakota, or South Dakota and Nebraska, Nebraska, yeah. Yeah. And uh, as a matter of fact, I think half of it's on one side, the other half is on the other. Yeah, I think it's right on the border. Right on the border. And so that's like the last choke point. And what they try to do is release enough water, right, to keep the water that's north of the choke point contained to some extent or to try to release the pressure or, or what's,
1: the well, they have, they have a, they I'm have a, cer- pro- I'm not they, saying that right. Well, they the have thing. a certain level in those reservoirs that are designated for flood control. So okay. they always, before flood season, they try to release enough to get those down. To and they're trying levels. to figure out
0: what the, the season's going to be like, correct? When they're right. doing they,
1: that? They, well, they, they don't, they, they can't, release based on forecasts, they have to they have to wait until actual actuality, actu- actuality okay. because you know if if especially in this part of the country you know we can be fairly good with knowing there's going to be a, a heavy rain event but if it shifts 100 miles either way right. it's in a completely different part of the basin so you could release water where you thought it would be helping but then the storm falls right on right on that area where you've already right. elevated the the river mm-hmm. so that's that's why they usually that's why they have to wait okay. until until the the storm actually happens
0: and so and the purpose of the release is to draw down the, the storage right
1: yeah they, they try to draw it down before the flood season they try to draw it down to those flood control levels which right now they're near 100 percent uh, now, if you get into a situation where you've got a lot of rainfall, you've got all that snow melt coming in, then those reservoirs start to fill, and it gets to a point where you have they have to increase their releases to protect the dams because you, if those dams fail, then you've got a yes. terrible problem yeah. on your hands.
0: And so, you know, one of the things that
1: um,
0: I, I said a few times on the air last year, and I've said it before— is water will go where water wants to go. It's, it's you know, when, when we look at how we try to contain mm-hmm. the Missouri River, the Mississippi River, that's not easy, I guess, to do because right. there's just so much water. And in a situation like last year, uh, especially once we got into the middle part of March and, and the, well, uh, the well-placed rain, which was poorly placed rain, um, on top of all the other ingredients that we were setting up with last year. it Eventually, it was just too much for the system. Would that be the best way? It was.
1: It? If you look at last year as a whole, there was a large area of the Missouri Basin in our local area and up in the northern plains that were more than 20 inches above normal. So it was just incredible rainfall last year. It was They had nowhere
0: to go. And we had all the crazy snow during the winter. So it was was a combination of uh, all these contributing factors, and it just overwhelmed, essentially, the system. And to a large extent, a lot of folks are still trying to figure out how they're recovering from that. Farmers, um, you know, obviously couldn't get into their fields for the longest of times. I think I saw, and this might, I think I saw this, uh, last month, that there's still corn in the ground up in North Dakota or something, that they're trying to figure out how to get out from because they couldn't get back in yeah. the field.
1: Yeah, it's right now looking at the soil moisture across the area. It is almost saturated across a large portion of the of the northern plains, and they just haven't had a chance to dry out by by the time precipitation slowed down. It had cooled down enough into the fall and winter, didn't have a chance to evaporate out.
0: What happens for the soil that gets flooded, like for the farmers and and stuff along the Missouri River, and they're used to floods. I mean, we have floods, it seems like, almost every year, not to the extent that we saw last year. But um, what happens to the terrain after a flood?
1: Well, I think I'm not. I'm not an expert on how it affects the agricultural mm-hmm. areas, but I know, like in some of these areas, you just get all this sediment and silt transported down, and it just covers that that fertile soil. So, I think it may take a couple of years to kind work of work it. Yeah, to kind work of rejuvenate out. some mm-hmm. of those areas. And you know, this year, w- with the lack of protection with some of these levee breaks. You may see water across the, most of those areas again this year, even if it doesn't get to as close to a magnitude this year, just because we won't have a, that protection.
0: And so when, when we look back at last year, we look at the levee breaks. And when a levee breaks, it essentially is, for lack of a better phrase, it, it's, it's not providing relief, but it's taking, in a sense, it's taking the stress Away from downstream, I guess would be to some it, extent. It
1: does, it does for a time. But last year, there was just so much water coming down for so long. The the what we would see happen is you'd have those areas behind the levees fill all the way up, and then it. If you looked at the river hydrograph, the river, the trace of the stage. You wouldn't be able to even tell. It would just like, uh, it would basically, the levee would break, the stage would stop going up for a while, maybe level off, fall a little bit, and then a couple of days later, once everything filled up, it would start it would rising again.
0: Up, up. Have you seen, in terms of your experience with flooding uh, in this part of the country, was last year the worst you saw, or was there a year that, another year that jumps out at you?
1: I think it was the worst year mm-hmm. 2011 was really bad but this lasted longer there were there were more levee breaks than than that year we act we were actually lucky in 2011 i know it doesn't seem like it because there was so much damage but the actual rainfall in our area was normal to below normal mm-hmm. all that was all that flooding on the Missouri was from snow melt and a year's worth of rain in one month up in the Dakotas in Montana, Wyoming. So if we would have got heavy rain on top of that, we may have had More a similar situation as, as we had last year and or as even we, worse. And
0: as we focus it like back into the Kansas city area, the Missouri river basin around Kansas city from let's just say, you know, Northwest Missouri to central Missouri, um, our main focus, Flooding for us in that basin can come from not only the rain we get here, but as you mentioned in 2011, even if we don't get the rain here, what happens upstream is a big issue. It does, us. yeah. And
1: that year, was that was an incredible amount of snow and rain across those far upper portions of the basin. So normally we don't get... You know, uh, it's a part of what contributes to our flooding. But a lot of times our flooding in in this area just has to do with the heavy rain pattern, rain over, like in 93, where you you had storms moving over the same areas upstream of of Kansas City and and you had the flooding due to that. But, yeah, there are several different causes of the flooding in our, our area.
0: And when you switch basins and you think about the Mississippi River Basin, uh, they kind of get, in a sense, a double whammy because what's happening here at some point affects out towards the St. Louis area merging into the Mississippi, which exacerbates their issue does. with what's coming downstream from the upper Midwest.
1: Yeah, and, uh, this year it looks like, actually St. Louis it has a flood threat this year, but I think like even further north, like north... Uh, northeast Missouri, upstream of of St. Louis, and then Quad Cities, that area looks to have a pretty high threat of significant flooding this year, just with all that snowpack that's just waiting to melt. Just waiting to melt. All right, so
0: uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to do this in two parts, because I do want to start talking about the situation for 2020. We're visiting with Scott Watson, who's a hydrologist with uh, the National Weather Service. And uh, we're going to, the next podcast is going to be dedicated to what's coming or what we think may be coming in 2020, depending on how things uh, unfold here over the next couple of months. We've set up from what happened last year, we've kind of contrasted where we are and we'll dive into that contrast a little bit more in our next uh, podcast. Scott, thank you. Uh, The next podcast dedicated to what's coming up in 2020.